0: Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos, episode 189. As always, stop what you're doing, listen to this. As always, rate, review, download, subscribe, or tell a friend. Pick one of those five and do it today. Spread the gospel on our wonderful little podcast being heard all over the world. We are uh, trying our very best to make compelling conversations so that it can be for procurers of the beautiful game. We are in the midst of a a bit of a lull after the euphoria of the Asian Cup and the African Cup of Nations, but it's going to start picking up again. There's never a dull moment for soccer. It's out there if you want, and that's what I do. I will find those compelling stories. We have a double dip of guests here today, beginning in the business, and Lori Lindsay, who covers uh, the sport for MLS and Apple TV and WSL, Paramount Plus, CBS, We're going to talk about the big competition of the moment, and it just got a whole lot bigger at the W Gold Cup after Mexico beat the United States. We'll talk about that result, what it means for the women's game. And in reality, it is a huge jolt for the Gold Cup in particular in its first edition. And we continue to jump on board the rocket ship that is women's soccer, and we'll all spell it out there with Lori. So stick around for that. This week, the Carabao Cup, which I do not watch, can't watch everything. So I've had to be on a cup diet with domestic cups as much as I love the FA Cup and the Copa del Rey and the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, but the Carabao Cup, the next tier there, people are talking. I listened to on on SiriusXM and all over the place where they're acting like Liverpool won a, a World Cup. It's like, it's the Carabao Cup. Well, my friend Binky Van Bilderbeek, big Liverpool apologist, Just kidding. Big fan. Uh, We'll try and make a compelling argument to why that is so important. Stick around that on Check Complete. So we'll have two guests here on a very special Soccer OG. But we will indulge into all the great topics of the hour. The rundown is next. We get things started here on the rundown with news of the 60-man player roster announced for the Nations League for the United States and all teams that will be competing in both tiers of that competition on March 21st. The USA will play Jamaica if they get by. They could play the final or the third-place game on the March 24th. Everyone's hoping we get USA-Mexico at Jerry's World in Arlington, Texas. So a lot of people are telling me, why do we have to have a 60 man roster and I go I don't really have a great answer for it it does provide a roadmap to see the direction the U.S. are heading for instance some of that the older players that would have made up the squad you don't really see them I think Jordan Morris made it a couple others but most of those guys and that tells you uh we appreciate their time for their service but it has completed now they can focus on their club careers three interesting players on the list though John Brooks who many felt has been banished for the U.S. team He's in there. I don't know if he's going to make it, but center back is a position of need. So John Brooks, if he keeps performing well and under, you know, I've pointed out Tim Ream, it's clear as day. He's on his his final legs. It's amazing it lasted this long. Not his final legs. He still can play professionally, but to be a lockdown starter for the U.S. team, which he wasn't until the World Cup, he was he slid in as an emergency situation because we didn't have better options, but you can see he's really the third center back at Fulham uh, when you're 30 in your mid thirties, that's that doesn't switch back, right? Uh but it, it's incredible that he went this long. So, you know, maybe John Brooks benefits from that. The uh the other interesting one, Esmir Bajrak Terevich, uh the teenage player for New England Revolution, who started for the Revs this weekend. He's not gonna make the 23 man roster, but he is certainly one for the future 2025, and who knows about the World Cup of 2026? Maybe he's that next great talent that will push the Christian Polisic or the Gio Reyna. And it's going to happen. We just don't, we don't haven't identified that player just yet. And the other one is Tyler Adams, which says that he is on there. Maybe there is hope for his fitness. I don't think, you, I mean, it's 60 players, so you have some wiggle room. So I can understand just throwing him in there. But maybe there is something we're not aware of that could bring Tyler Adams back. I would say the midfield is very competitive, although Tyler's proven himself uh, and is just the kind of player you want in a camp. Uh, as a leader, as a no-nonsense type, a guy who leads by example, uh, and will put in a cracking tackle. We love that about Tyler Adams. The midfield is pretty packed. You have six good candidates that will make up the 23-man roster, in my estimation. Go check out the Soccer OG on YouTube. Under my name, Max Bretos, I break it all down. I tell you who are the 23 players that will make the roster and the 11 that will start. And I will tell you that I have Gio Reyna in the starting 11, and I got a lot of comments on the YouTube page, about he shouldn't be in there. Uh, it's an interesting conversation. Obviously, things haven't gone well for him. And he's got to shoulder the burden in many ways. He hasn't played for sparingly for Dortmund, and now he hasn't really played for Nottingham Forest. And I don't think he's going to play for the remainder of the season. They're in a relegation fight. They just got knocked out of the FA Cup, so the games are uh, going to be very tightly packed, and I just, he's not going to get in front of Morgan Gibbs White, he's not going to play out wide either, so this is just what he's got to do, is make the most out of training, enjoy the English experience, barring something odd, I don't think he's going to play at all, normally you think that would risk his position on the national team, Gio's a little different, and I'll give you two reasons why he should remain there at the top of that midfield, first part is, we don't have a talent like that, there is, uh, a guy who can do so much, and we saw how well it worked when he was in the 11. Uh, look, the six-man midfield are very good. You have Malik Tillman, who would be the direct competitor with Gio. I don't, I mean, we could realistically, I like Malik a lot, but he's not Gio's class just yet. And the other midfielders are, you know, Weston McKinney's a hybrid. I like him playing a little bit more as an advanced eight. I think when there's no Tyler Adams and... If you want to keep Eunice Musa in the starting eleven, you got to keep Weston McKinney in a more defensive role, more box to box type. So uh, I have Musa starting, and then the other three, uh, Malik Tillman, we mentioned. The other two are more defensive oriented. Sort of. Well, Luca De La Torre is a box to box guy, uh, but he won't compete with Gio. And then Johnny Cardosa, he's more of a six. He did score a goal this weekend. So. That is why I would keep Gio Reyna in there. The other reason is back in October, when we had those friendlies and he was playing, he looked phenomenal. And that, back then he wasn't playing for Dortmund. So maybe he's one of these guys that doesn't need to prove that. I find that I mean, that's a ridiculous statement. I can't say that. You, he, eventually it'll come to a head. He needs to play for a club if he wants to be uh, a featured player for the U.S. But right now he can kind of get away with it. I, I got to say that... I, The fact that he's not really playing more for Nottingham and and Dortmund tells me that he may not be a guy that trains well. I'm not there at training, but I know from my experience around these clubs, if you train well, you play. And Gio Reyna is not playing. So there's a lot there. And This is a guy we've coddled a lot. No one's getting the Gio treatment, especially after the World Cup and what happened there, more than Gio. That's a fact. But we'll have to see what comes of it. And in the meantime, I'm putting him in there. So... Check out the video. I have all the breakdowns of who I think is going to get in there. There's some surprises. So YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. Elsewhere in the uh, world of soccer, before we head into the business end, the Premier League race continues to look as good as we've ever had it. Potentially a three-team chase down the stretch here. There's about 12 games left. And Liverpool's at 60 points. Man City, 59. Arsenal, 58. Uh, I imagine all three are going to do, stay in that race. They're all still winning this weekend. I mean, Man they had an FA Cup. Look, again, uh, uh, Erling Haaland scored, what, five goals for Man City. You have to think Man City is going to be the team to beat. Liverpool won the Carabao Cup. They're into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. They're going to play Manchester United. They're currently in first. And Arsenal's been great until that first leg of the Champions League. And that was a little, you know, that's obviously disappointing because it showed... The first time in Arsenal hasn't been consistent down the stretch. But I still like them. And when they beat people, they beat people up. And they've been, uh, they've had an incredible run of form lately in the Premier League. So that's a really exciting development. We're going to see it. It's much better than the relegation picture, which we we're always told is the most compelling. It's not. Uh, we You look for the best clubs, and the best clubs are lined up, two points separating three. I also want to give Inter Milan some love. You know, the Serie A, we don't really. We're, we always have our guard up when we kind of put them on a, on a pedestal. We don't do that anymore. They're not the league that they were in the 90s. Uh, but they're doing very well. All their clubs in European competition. competition And Inter, far and away, is the best. Made the Champions League final. And I wouldn't put it past them to do it again. They have a tough one against Atletico Madrid. They have a one-goal aggregate lead. And they travel to Madrid for the second leg. We'll see how that goes. But um, I would think that... Uh, this is a, a team capable. They're, they're, I mean, they're like 12 points up in Italy on Juventus, 16 points up on Milan. I mean, this, this is a team that can't build a roster like the Premier League or Real or Barcelona or Bayern Munich. Uh, they do it with grit, savvy, and spirit in many ways. They do have a talent. I mean, you, you look at the... Uh, look, they beat Atalanta 4-0 here on this Wednesday. I'm taping this, but... Uh, you know, Lautaro's a great player. Marco Arnautovic is playing alongside him. Mean, that's a, a guy's an outcast, really. Miktarian, Di Marco, uh, Barella, good players, not great players. Um, Mateo Darmian, bit of a, an outcast. Uh, Pavard's been great. Um, Jan Sommer, the back end of it's it, there's something there that is you gotta give Inter a lot of credit for, and obviously Simone Inzaghi. Uh, gets a good share of that. But hats off to Indra and what they've been able to accomplish. Great story in uh, the world of soccer right now, of which there are are many. No Champions League, which was a bit of a bummer this week, but they'll be back next week. The first legs were pretty brutal. Not many compelling games or redeeming qualities. Second leg of the round of 16 will be better. The Champions League quarters will be better, and I think the semis will be sensational. We all want to see Real Madrid Man City. Am I right? We all want to see the best at the best. We'll get back to it, but we got to get in the business, and we're going to talk about the W Gold Cup and the U.S. Women and the Women's Game. Lori Lindsay of CBS and NWSL and MLS on Apple TV joins me next in the business end. back here in the business and a, a guest that i had ahead of the women's world cup and i remember she said something that stood with me she said this is going to be the biggest women's sporting event ever soccer or otherwise and she was absolutely right it's laurie lindsey who is uh, an analyst with mls nwsl cbs sports also doing the women's or the w gold cup which is underway and part of the reason i gave you a, a little ring laurie because something pretty prominent happened there this past week
1: yeah, it certainly did. Well, first of all, hi, it's great to see you all. Hey, by the way, but yeah.
0: sorry to interrupt you, but do you, you stick to what you said? Cause it was, I remember you saying that and that just for so many reasons just blew up the women's game and we're seeing yeah. the fruits coming out.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, and I feel so fortunate, grateful to have been over there in the midst of it all uh, calling games for Fox um, in Australia and New Zealand and what a tournament. And then um witnessing the final spain england live i mean my goodness and it really has it, it was the biggest sporting event it's propelled the women's game even more and I've, you're seeing that growth consistently right you're seeing more women's teams speak out um for resources for um attention right in terms of like um what the federation values is what I mean by attention. And so, and deservedly so, and the game just keeps um, getting better and better. And I feel grateful to be a part of it. It's so exciting as a former player too. And, and now current analyst, right? So.
0: Yeah. And as you should, and I don't know if it happened before, I think it was before the world cup, but the NWSL agreed to a, a rights package. It was like a quarter of a billion dollars with CBS, um, ESPN. I think Amazon's in there too.
1: Yep, Amazon, and then Scripps slash ION um, is also, they're doing two Saturday night games. They'll Wait, Scripps, their- the spelling bee? <laughs> exactly. No, it's like, uh, they're actually on, um, it's not like a I'm not making service. fun. They I'm not are- making fun of
0: scripts, especially if they're no, investing absolutely.
1: in soccer. Um, they are, They are. Uh, I don't even know what we call it, regular TV, because it's not streaming. So. <laughs> like terrestrial <laughs> linear TV. But the point is that you're making is that now there's so many different platforms, right? Um, for viewers to be able to find the NWSL, to consume it. Um, that shows a little part of how much the game has grown, uh, not only globally, but here in the United States as well. well so, Laurie, let, let
0: me let you hear from the OG, the old dog here. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you how it works. <laughs> it's wait. all nice and cute, but when someone pays you a quarter of a billion dollars for the rights, it's uh it means, be- it's means something more than that. They're like, okay, this is we're investing and they want yeah. their, they want to make money off of this so they're seeing the promise without question yes.
1: no doubt no doubt and i mean how could you not right like there have been again we can speak to the the women's world cup we can speak to the success um over the entirety of the US Women's National Team existence, right? How how much that's put the global game on the map. So, and the NWSL is just continuing to grow. The talent continues to get better and better. We're drawing even more um, international players, international coaches, which I think gives a different wrinkle to the game as well. So exciting, exciting times um, for the women's game. And yeah, I love it.
0: Oh, it's amazing. And, you know, the, the list of women's players that uh, the regular fan knows has grown exponentially. You know, you think about, you know, everyone's like, oh, Sam Kerr and uh, uh, Alex Morgan. Uh, But now Bomanti, who was amazing, the whole Spanish team, you know, for everything good and bad that they went through are are, are like ingrained into the people's uh, um, memories. And then the English players, too, um, that – Obviously we see the English game going through. What is, and I, I'm making this point, but the, the, she played for Chelsea. Her name escapes me.
1: Oh, Lauren James,
0: Lauren James. She, I mean, yeah. she, she had like a four goal game the other day.
1: Oh yeah. It was, it, well, in the world cup, she, there was a game. She's again. She's just
0: cool as heck too.
1: Now Jackie Olin and I are on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, already one of the best players in the world, super smooth on the ball can score goals can set up the, yeah. I mean, just, and, and that's where we're seeing the elevation of the game, right? It's just like such, such talent. It's really the best way to put it. It uh, is the way everywhere. It's game, and she's showing that week in and week out with Chelsea, but also with uh, the lionesses um, every time that they play. And it's she's a young player, right? 20 years old.
0: Yeah. Linda Caicedo. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen the Columbia games yet. Is she on the the roster
1: for the? Yeah, they're currently playing in the the W Gold Cup as well. She scored a goal. I think it was last night. Um, uh, yeah. And you know, Jackyuli and I, I'll just say we had some bangers of games at the World Cup. We just like couldn't believe our luck, and we had Linda Kayseda in Colombia talk about their fan base and the tr- the amount that they traveled. Um, and just, like, created a totally different atmosphere in the stadiums over in Australia. So fun. Talk about Lauren James. We had a, a couple different England games. So to see these players live, and it's always one of those things where you're just, like, get to games, right? Whether it's Major League Soccer, whether it's NWSL, whether it's national teams, get to games because... Television, where it's going now is, you and I can speak to this, is amazing, right? With the amount of cameras, you get that real feeling. But when you're, there's nothing like being live at at stadiums and really witnessing these players, the speed of play, um, their movements. It's just, it's phenomenal.
0: Did you get a lot of Australian, New Zealand fare? Were you able to enjoy oh, that?
1: Totally. We are primarily in Australia. We had a quarterfinal game in New Zealand. To get your meat pies on? Um, I did not get a meat pie. I actually played over in Australia, so I've had a lot of their food, but I can't tell you how many their food. I had each day, like I'm talking about over caffeinated. I mean, it was just bananas. I was just like sucking down their, their I, coffee over there. So. I don't know if
0: I told you, but I, when I, I our, our family moved to Australia when I was five years old till I was 12 and I had a meat pie every day and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's pastry with not the finest delicious. meat inside, don't get me but wrong. they're delicious and it's like sloppy and then <laughs> The uh, tomato sauce, a.k.a. ketchup, you have the dispenser and you would like pierce the pastry. I'm doing it in front of you. You can see me. The audience can't. And then you squeeze as much ketchup in there so it embeds into the meat. It's disgusting, but I'm explaining it to you and I'm craving one right now.
1: Yeah, there. if we can get that across to the listener right now, because they are phenomenal. You're not wrong at all. And um, <laughs> you know what else is like just outrageous there? And this is going to be so... Bizarre, because I don't think anybody equates this to Australia, but is any any there's cafes, right? They're known for their coffee, they're known for their cafes and their coffee culture, but is the banana bread that they have at their cafes? Because a lot of places will toast it and then put the butter on it, and it'll melt. I mean, that's it's just just it's as problematic as the meat pie because you're just like I'm going after those every single day, and I'm having like four coffees, so oh, they're just. Yeah, so good. So, if anybody's traveling, meat pies and banana bread at any of the cafes in Australia is the go to.
0: Yeah, tell them that you traveled 15,000 miles or whatever uh, because Lori <laughs> said the banana bread was great. And that's why you're there. And that'll Can we uh... start
1: a, a food show on here next. <laughs> okay. okay. Done.
0: Football and food.
1: We'll yeah. Put exactly. On a few
0: LBs, probably what I don't need right now. Uh, so, we're having a wonderful time here, Lori. And I want to talk about the, uh, we're going to continue the good times because I want to, talk about the tournament the the w gold cup in its first inception and i'll talk about the u.s performance because it's a big part because when you talk about a w gold cup and they obviously have the south american teams here that up that raises the standard but you know even if they didn't we're seeing growth in the concacaf region because my fear for a w gold cup and probably why they haven't had it until now is that the u.s would run through everyone which would would obviously be the case every year until maybe two years ago. So the timing was right. And one thing that stood out to me uh, um, immediately, I've obviously, I've seen it, great production. This is just going to grow as well. And this is going to be a big property that, based on the competition, which is what the women's game um, may not have had in years past, but does now, that's what's going to skyrocket. Global interest from everyone that wants a piece of it. But when I saw Jamaica that made the round of 16, they qualified for the World Cup, made the round of 16, but didn't qualify for the W Gold Cup. I was like, OK, we, we we've got a nice standard going here. So maybe yeah. this and I go, that kind of sent me that this tournament's going to be good. And so far, it's lived up to billing.
1: Yeah, it really has. It's fun. And we were talking about Linda Caicedo with Colombia, right? You have Brazil in there who has been invited because not all of them are. There's a, some that are have been invited to the tournament that aren't in the CONCACAF region. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to speak more about the Mexico-US game, but Mexico in general. This is a team that hasn't qualified for the last two World Cups. And from their perspective, not good enough. So I don't really think, though, you can talk about the CONCACAF in this or the W gold cup as well, without speaking kind of towards the resources that have been placed um, for some of these teams, Mexico in particular, um, Jamaica to your point about doing really well in the world cup, but then not qualifying, you know, that also speaks to the lack of resources sometimes that, or not sometimes always in the, the fight that they're constantly going through. So it is a constant evolution that those things need to be talked about, but in general, the game is growing, and when you get the resources put in, you see what the product is and how talented these players are, and I don't think that can be understated.
0: We have the uh, the Copa America coming up in the summer, and we don't, we're pretty sure this isn't going to be a regular occurrence where South America and North America come together uh, mm-hmm. for a true tournament of the Americas. Uh, it's going to be a huge success, and I want it to happen frequently, and you would love to see the convergence of Comebol and CONCACAF. And I understand it's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of money involved and people don't want to relinquish power in these federations. I get it. But if money makes the world go round, if the, if the men's game is valuable where you can have a combined America's tournament and now the women's with the Gold Cup showing, if you invite some of the South American teams, maybe it's something that's pretty viable uh, on two fronts. <laughs> so we can help each other out. The men and the women, once again, together, arm and arm.
1: Yeah, I'm always in favor of collaboration, understanding what best practices are and what we can learn, right? And uh, yeah, I think we're just going to continue to see, especially on the women's side, continue to grow with uh, the the resources needed and that are deserved.
0: I got a lot of heat, Lori, after the World Cup when the women went out and I said, this is great. And we talked about it. The rest of the world is taking it seriously. And the, if the U.S. thinks they can go to a World Cup and just lock themselves into a final or win it, those days are over. And I said afterwards, he goes, I don't think the U.S. are going to win a World Cup anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And everyone goes, you're crazy. And I go, I don't know. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I, I see what they've done in the World Cup. Uh, Emma Hayes coming in big hire. That shows their uh, their conviction that they really want to fix this. Great young players coming up. And then I was like, oh, maybe, maybe everyone was right. Maybe I, I spoke too quickly. And then... USA Mexico happens dos a which was, uh, I I saw that trending on Twitter. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And it was (laughs) the, the Mexicans got us on the women's game. Uh, And I was like, and I, you know, I was watching the game and I watched the highlights again this morning and it really could have, they could have had a third goal. There was one that hit off the crossbar Mm -hmm. and it was, it was just a gallant effort and I, it it reinforced me saying, and I know, look, we have the uh, coaches hasn't taken over yet. But there are some things that are are pretty alarming. I mean, when you saw that result, what was uh, what what were the emotions that hit you?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, you're as a, a former player and just a fan of these players and the fan of the team, you're disappointed for them, right? Because the one thing that this team has been built on is comp- competition, getting the best out of one another, getting the best out of the team, a- and so you don't want. You never want the team to lose, right? I want this team to constantly be successful and excited. From I think you make a good point, though. I think you can't talk about this game without talking about the Mexico performance because all the credit to them, as I mentioned moments ago, haven't qualified for the last two World Cups. Really low point for them. Pedro Lopez, their their coach, takes over in twenty twenty two. They have a domestic league. When we we've I've said the word resources a a number of times with money with money coming in there with money a lot of talent and so you look at not just that starting 11 but you look at the people they're bringing on uh dana ordonez she plays in the NWSL for houston dash she's coming off the bench right she has played a critical role whether it's been in north carolina or houston as a goal scorer so they also have depth And they executed their game plan, did what they needed to do. And this is a talented Mexico squad. And this is what we want, right? We want competition. To your point about now is the time that we're having the the W Gold Cup. So I think all of that needs to be stated because what a performance it was. Um, Two beautiful goals. And obviously the U.S. is chasing at the end and then a wonderful strike and, and stoppage time. Um, but yes, here's what I would say about the U S right now is I'm still, I'm, I'm excited, right? Disappointing as we all know, in terms of our exit in the world cup, I don't like want to understate that. Yes, everybody was a lot of people had opinions on it. Um, however, we have a ton of young players coming through that are, 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 playing extremely well in the NWSL, getting league minutes, getting important experience there. Now the next step is here, right? We knew that there was most likely going to be rotation and squad How uh, in terms of the numbers in the starting 11. How much does that play into all of this? Right. I will say having also an interim coach for a while, and, and then Emma Hayes not coming in until the end of uh, May or beginning of June, It is can be also challenging, but I think the biggest challenge when I look at all of this that will be for Emma is what is getting a starting 11 that's the best of starting 11 together, right? And not just the best 11 players. And I don't think that's unique to the U.S. women's national team. I think that is a challenge for a lot of national team coaches, both men's and women's. But I think that is really an important aspect when we're looking at the current team right now, because we are in this evolution state. So what is the mix of players that have the best cohesion that in the way that we want to play? Because sometimes right now, I'm not sure we have the best mix. We have some excellent individual players out there, but at times that's what it looks like. Everybody in silos. We're really expansive. We leave ourselves exposed centrally. Um, especially if you're playing in that number six, that player is left exposed a lot of times. That has been an ongoing issue dating back to the last couple of years. Uh, So sometimes it feels like, you know, and I'm not pointing out specific players, but like if Emily Fox is a right, or I'm using her as an example, If like Emily Fox is playing the right back. What is she being told? Because she's excellent at coming inside. But if you need somebody to stay wide and provide that width, when we're trying to build out, then what's, being, what's the information that's being told to her, right? So I think we're in a bit of that evolution stage of not only trying to figure out or going to have to figure out what's the best group playing together of our starting 11, but then also what's the specific information given to our players and how can they build that into their game? Because it does feel like we have a little bit of a, uh, a game plan or tactical nuance that maybe isn't as clear to everybody in terms of where they need to be at certain times.
0: But you would say that the talent is there. It's, oh my goodness.
1: I'm and I, I can't look, yeah.
0: I, I I can't argue it. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, some of it, I I'd love for them to let the, the younger generation come in. you know, Becky Sauerbrunn started Alex Morgan still on the squad. And, and it's those, those two amazing players will soon see the, the, the younger squad take hold, but they're probably there for a good reason because they, that is what's required to your point, having a, a functioning eleven, and that's a tough choice because, like, I, I know it's like everyone says, put the best eleven players. No, that's the why are you playing this player? And those are hard decisions to make. But yeah. you've got to find that group that works. I think, I think, close to the talented, te- most talented team will find its way onto the starting eleven, but not everyone. That's and it, it, to me, when you describe it like that, like okay, the talent's there, but that sounds like a much tougher job.
1: Yeah, in I think many it is ways. A tough- I think it is because, uh, and having experienced it with different coaches, right? It's a pressure, pressurized job. You're expected to win, but then it's also, we're in a, the reason why I say I'm excited is because we do have a lot of young talent, but they do need experience. And I would like to see more of them, right? Olivia Moultrie's had two goals, Jaden Shaw. And even if we are, even if we lose some games by giving these young players a go about I mean, at least we're understanding then, okay, these are areas that we need to improve or this is where they experience. Because one thing that we do know and be similar to the men's game, right? Even though there's a short amount of time between now and the Olympics, you have a lot of games uh, with the club. There's injuries that take place. Unfortunately, we already saw me official. One of our center forwards go down before the tournament started. So that opens up another opportunity for, for more players Uh, but really unfortunate for a young young player like me official, right? But those types of things happen, so how do you adjust? And this is why I feel like the W Gold Cup is so important, and I would like to see, even if you're going to rotate, continue to push getting those young players in, because, yes, we're looking at the Olympics, but also it's what's that build look like to the 2027 World Cup? And we need – and I I think it's tough unless you've been there. The difference between – club and international is, it's big, right? It is the smallest little detail. And we're seeing that like Portugal, Mexico, they can match athleticism. And also there's a a savviness to the way that they play that we're not completely used to in the NWSL, right? So those little nuances to the game make it exciting. But how do you deal with that? How do you get control of the game? And I think that was why... Some people and myself, you you felt kind of like, ooh, after the game against uh, Mexico the other night is because there was some familiarity to what we felt the last couple of years, especially in the attack. And then also it's like, okay, we need to – there's still some exci- – we have young talent coming through. Let's continue to get the best. But again, I keep honing in on what's the best 11 because we have to – and, and then my other point is – Those I are tough conversations we, to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this goes to my next point is, I think what's exciting about Emma Hayes is she has enough pulse on the US from her time here, but also is, has been removed enough so that she can come in and I believe make some of those tough decisions or move pieces around to get the most out of the the team with the structure structure that she's going to be looking to have, right? Yeah.
0: She seems um, she strikes me she could be a real bulldog and get in there. And I that's what yeah. I mean, you have to grow yeah, up think, conversations with these with, because also, this is the US are in such a weird position where you, even if you weren't part of those World Cup winning teams, you put that shirt on, you like must feel like a superhero, yeah. And you've it's you've it's you've got to be looking at it a little differently now because it's uh, and I want to preface what I said before that I didn't think the women are going to win a World Cup anytime soon. It's because it's not so much a, a reflection off of them, it's because the rest of the world is caught up and there's no fear of the of the, the, the U S women's national team that there might have been a few years ago. And I, and I wonder if that's, it's a tough spot for some of these young players because they're feeling the success and they put that shirt on. They're like, okay, we're the U S we have these expectations and I don't know how you, and I'm sure Emma Hayes is going to flesh that all out really nicely, but you've got to have to kind of, I think, reset it a bit and say, you've got to almost look like the, the Hunter again, you got to have that, that hunger or that, 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 that anger or whatever you want to call it to, to pursue this because it's, it's a weird spot to be in and I'll see how they can handle it. But uh it's.
1: uh But it's also an exciting, uh, like even just like I was using Emily Fox a moment ago as her. She's to, she's playing in arsenal right now. Right. And and she can almost play as another midfielder, like what talent she is. She can get forward into the attack. But then I thought I was on the call for the game prior to Mexico against um, us versus Argentina, Casey Krueger excellent right back right brings a little bit of a different style so we have mixtures of players in a lot of these different positions with wonderful talent that brings something different and that speaks to your point is like that's not easy right but it is about finding then okay what's the best what are the best qualities that are mixing that you're going to be able to break down opponents essentially
0: when the women played, this is just you know because i've had a lot of conversations americans loved it because they would beat the snot out of everybody And that's, it. it's like, that's why you watched Michael Jordan. You watch these athletes, you go, they're going to crush everyone. It's not that anymore, but I want to encourage people to tune in and watch the, how the U.S. are challenged. Because look, the gold cup, as soon as Mexico beat USA, I was, I'll be honest, Lori, I was watching some here and there. I'm going to watch the rest of the tournament now because of that result. Because I want to see if the U.S. can pick up the pieces, but it's a. Those quarterfinals are going to roll around. It's a 12-team tournament, so eight will win. Mexico wins the group, I believe. So now the U.S. will probably have a tougher opponent. We don't know who that is yet, but it's going to be a grind. And now those quarterfinals were maybe one or two you thought were going to be competitive and we could predict who's going to go. Now it's unpredictable, and that makes a good competition.
1: Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. And I think a couple of things to that. One it's good that we have a little bit of a few extra days for the U.S. because no doubt are they going to be like looking inside. Right. And internally as a team, be like, all right, let's correct. That is the mentality of the U.S. team. Um, and you quickly learn that as a young player when you come in as well. So these are learning moments all around. So you can look to this moment for the U.S. is like, all right, in some ways, a positive we can course correct. Where are the areas that we need to get better through video and just being able to play in a quarterfinal game because they've already qualified? But then, two wonder how much that gives an extra little additive or confidence to other teams. All right, Mexico just beat the U.S. We're you know Colombia they're playing well. They had a successful World Cup. Does that give them even more um, confidence going into the later rounds too? So you know you wonder what it does to the entire tournament because it's already been competitive but now has everyone increased just a bit more with the belief so i'm here for it i'm excited for the me US. too I'm excited about these other teams too
0: and if they don't win it great because we'll tune yeah. in for the w gold cup the next time around we're gonna get this back because we yeah. didn't win it the first time uh you can see it all on paramount plus all the games will be on paramount uh plus correct yep Okay. So you can see that they do a great job with the production and it looks good. Sounds good. You'll see, you'll get to hear Lori on the call as well. Lori, great to chat up. And I get, I always get so much smarter after our conversations.
1: Yeah, it's always great. I love your energy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Likewise. Oh, we were going to talk MLS. We'll save it for another day, but Lori's also uh, broadcasting MLS doing a fantastic job. She's going to be with Tyler Terrence doing the Revolution and
1: Toronto game. This Toronto. Time. Toronto's yes.
0: interest. It's all they're all interesting. They're all interesting. Yes. Uh, and you'll get to see young S. Smear, who everyone's loving for the revolution. So you can tune in. Uh, and yeah, watch MLS. Shan WSL, watch the W Cup on Paramount Plus, obviously MLS on Apple TV. We're going to be back with check complete. I was I was trashing the Carabao Cup. We have a diehard Liverpool fan, my friend Binky. He's going to defend the competition. We'll see who wins. That's next on the Soccer OG. Time now for check complete. It's a little different this week uh, because I have been hearing, you know, after I didn't watch the Carabao Cup final. It's just an excessive tournament in my estimation. But afterwards, everyone about Liverpool acting like they won the World Cup. Listening to Sirius XM and Tommy's been saying, oh, it was amazing. I go, what did I miss here? It's the Carabao Cup final. So, I mean, I don't want to diminish it too much, but I bought my friend Binky Van Bilderbeek, who's a big Liverpool fan, and he's going to set me straight. Is that correct? What was so great about the Carabao Cup final, dude?
2: Well, I mean, being a Brit, the, the League Cup has a long history in the in the uh, Premiership. Um, Liverpool have actually, with that last win on Sunday, have become the most winningest. Is that how you say it in America? Winningest team sure. to, to win the League Cup. So it was an exciting time for them. But there was a number of different factors, Max. I mean,
0: that's a very political this answer. Is, this is,
2: yes, I know. I'm trying to be as politically correct as possible. But this is Jurgen Klopp's golden... Uh, year this is when he leaves so this was an emotional win for him on that this is the first of four very reachable titles that Jurgen Klopp could get with Liverpool this this season they're in contention for the FA Cup which I don't know if you have any
0: yeah it's on right now they just went up three zip on Southampton so they're going to the quarter zero
2: there you go okay but I I get the
0: Jurgen, I get the Jurgen Klopp angle and I would love to see that happen it would be great a great storyline for the season but the Carabao Cup independently it's uh you know, we there's the you know, you know, I talked oh. to a lot of American fans, and I mean, obviously, I can understand Liverpool fans and Chelsea fans being excited about it, but you know, it's in in a in a time where there's so many fixtures. This, it, I wonder what the future is for a, a competition like that, and that's fine. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just I I once you win it, it's great, but these just more games for these guys to play, and I I know it's I, I want to put a priority on the winning the Premier League and winning the FA Cup, and now I got go to go the Carabao Cup. Crying yeah, out I,
2: I, there's definitely an argument for that. Is, the, is it excessive with the amount of games? And true, I mean, it's a real true testament to a club's durability and talent, whether they can, you know, complete four competitions. I mean, um, the big story, I guess, the takeaway from the game on Sunday was the fact that Chelsea has, you know, through their new ownership from last year, pumped a billion dollars. There was a billion dollars worth of players on that team that pushed Liverpool all the way with Liverpool, with about six first-team starters stars out with injury, we had. Wait a minute, they a number, they
0: weren't they weren't that short-handed.
2: They were. Nunez was out. You had Salah out. You had Konate out. You had Jota out. You had a number of other players off the top of my head. can It was it was a Let's, very wait. skeleton squad that Liverpool S- played. Stop with wait,
0: wait wait hold on a second. Skeleton squad. I'm pulling up the lineup here. Let's see. All uh, right. Okay, and I understand your point about Chelsea. Oh, let's see. Okay, Liverpool. Uh, Kelleher in goal. Okay, uh, Robertson's a Second. starter. Van Dyke, Konate started. That's three of the four. McAllister is a starter. Gakpo, you could say, is a senior starter. Luis Diaz. Yeah. I get Harvey Elliott is. I mean, what Are we talking about Endo? Yeah. Plays a lot.
2: They had. That's a strong eleven. They had four to five teenage players that came through the academy that should have been playing. It, you would have more likely to see their names in the in the Academy Cup final, not the, 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 the Carabao cup final. So and, maybe we um, should make
0: this an a, maybe the Carabao should be a, a tournament for the kids.
2: It is. It is in effect. I mean, a lot of the first premier teams do put their second stream uh, players in like uh, Kelleher, for example, won the, the the Carabao cup two years ago as the goalkeeper, he's played in every single game in the Carabao cup. He's, he's, he's playing as the first team player with, with Allison, another first team player out with injury, with the flu that he's not recovered from, so it was a big achievement for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool that they brought all of these five, including Harvey Elliott, Conor Bradley and Dans and Kwanzaa, all these players have come through the academy system, which is a great testament to Liverpool because Liverpool had never been on the plane of Manchester United, let's say, or Chelsea or Man City, where foreign money comes in. They spend a billion. Liverpool, it's never been. Uh, oh, Liverpool's wait a minute. Liverpool
0: spent plenty of money.
2: It's Been plenty the of biggest money. signing for the biggest signing in Liverpool's history was David Darwin New at $87 at yeah, 87. McAllister's
0: a big buy, Gakbo's a big buy. We're not the, uh, if, the if you're going to the...
2: compare it to Chelsea, it, it's peanuts compared to what the money that Man City's owners have put into it. So, Liverpool have a strong tradition of bringing in lots of young academy players, and that was came to fruition on Sunday. and I think it's a big well, achievement.
0: Great. Well, you um, haven't got no. me excited about the Carabao Cup at all. I'd rather watch the MLS League well, because it's a better you had company.
2: 90,000. You're nearly <laughs> at capacity at Wembley. Come on. The yeah, biggest, the crowd was the awesome. Most famous, the biggest stadium. And it was a magic game. The game was end to end. I mean, Chelsea could have won it. They should have won it. They got lucky. But as you know, in cup finals, there's there's an element of luck. Liverpool hit the post a couple of times. They had some great chances. Kelker played off the. Uh, played out of his skin Petrovic the Chelsea keeper, played a magic game but uh, you know ultimately it needed the captain Van Dijk who is sadly kind of in not so many ways announced that he will be leaving when Klopp leaves and I think that's going to be a massive blow to Liverpool um, with those two you know on their way out and now I'm just just reading that Andy Robertson is getting offers from Bayern Munich now and it's it's
0: closing the oh, end of the break they're breaking up the band
2: Breaking up the band a little bit, but at the same time, I think Klopp is showing with these new youngsters that he's leaving Liverpool in good hands, and it's it's going to take a good a good coach that doesn't necessarily need to ma- match Klopp's style. It'll Have to be someone like you know a. La- well, it's going to be Shabby.
0: It's going to one hundred percent be Shabby Alonso.
2: One hundred percent.
0: It has to be. He's it's too big big of a job for him not to take, and he's got the Liverpool connections, and they're going to throw a lot of money at him. Yeah, uh, you'd be cr- I can't imagine nice. him saying no. But you've got to start watching more MLS, dude.
2: You know, I looked, I watched Messi score that equalizer on. The other day and i thought that was uh an exciting game for la galaxy i wish you had uh, invited me the opportunity to come and join you max and i work you, for lafc you donkey <laughs> oh, that's right i'm oh, sorry well any game. i got no juice on. i got no you, juice you, with the galaxy <laughs> you invited me to lafc and i will come don't worry
0: all right we'll see you just tidy up a little bit because they can't see you but you need to put a little pomade in your hair maybe have a nice shave
2: I, I work from home now. It's terrible. My whole appearance has taken a complete nosedive. This working from home is is just <laughs> for stinks. the birds. It I really does. I, I'm gonna I really start working from my gym. Guy. I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know it's a terrible idea. But I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Well, I, thank you, Binky, for you.
0: joining me. It was a very. It was a very. Uh, I hope uh, emotional I, response I, from you.
2: I, I. It was. It was the convincing. First, yes. Was, when Jurgen Klopp says this is the most emotionally uh charged uh cup final for him is to say something he's won he the champions that? league he said it because of the it, it was emotional for him because the young kids did so well for him and they, they came through when okay. they were called up to called up so he did say that yeah that you this, okay
0: you that you you won the conversation i'm sorry uh, i apologize for underscoring the carabao cup
2: it takes a great man to apologize max and i'm that's still not watching you it you are <laughs> Still not. I get okay. to watch too much
0: football. It's just so down the pecking order because look, we have this thing. I know you're not aware of it, but everyone's very upset about the U S open cup, which is our FA cup and major league soccer is trying to separate from there for reasons. Cause it doesn't resonate and people are up in arms, Yeah. but uh, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not the FA cup. The FA cup is obviously very magical. This is just a different sure. tournament, but I mean, we may just do things a little differently, but yeah. I, I can't imagine I mean- having a U.S. open cup and then another cup competition here. Americans don't, i talk to so many American bands, they don't know the difference between all these competitions. I know it's we sh- we've got to cater to our audience. I talk to the LAFC fan base, they go, What what's this game and what's that game? And I explain it to them. And Americans don't really I don't know if they're not, yeah. they're not ready for that. Maybe they're in 20 years in we shall see, and but I will
2: I, find I out can soon see I can I can I can understand where it's coming from to try and mimic the Spanish leagues with the different, you know, the domestic cups and the and their their I mean you have the gold cup uh you know, in in Spain, then you have their other cup, cup. Copa del Rey. competitions, Copa del Rey. Sorry, yeah. and it's a it's it's a way of bringing in more revenue for the league and the teams yes. and the clubs. Ultimately, it's a it's a good thing if they can bring more revenue and more eyes on the screen and and people buying tickets to go see these cups. I mean, it's only it's a it's a win for all. But, okay. Uh,
0: well, I'll have you back because I know you you're a big Dutch football fan too. You want to talk uh, about the, the Orange, but we don't have the time yeah. right
2: now. I Why know. are you getting all upset?
0: Okay. <laughs> don't you, aren't you ready I don't for the Euros?
2: I don't know. I just, A good quarterfinal uh, World uh, Cup run? We had a great cup run. It was disappointing seeing Argentina beat us. It's just, we have a history of of not doing well in penalty shootouts. I dread them. And um, Who hit, hit the know, ball? I, I, who
0: hit? Was it Mendy who hit the ball into
2: the Dutch bench? I was watching that
0: again. I go, I'm sorry, why didn't he get a red card? I think he had a yellow card. I,
2: I don't understand it. And I was watching that. And, it was 100% you know, on huge, purpose. Huge, being, 100% on purpose. You should have got red carded, but... To be fair, Van Dyke's reaction, he probably should have got a red as well. He just came steaming into him.
0: Yeah.
2: Big, huge physical contact, which is unacceptable. But um Oof. I don't know. The referee. How would you react if it,
0: someone like, fired a ball and you're on the bench?
2: Uh, words don't <laughs> describe but I know you will. You would have you'd have done it. Van yeah. Dyke plus. But look, you know, if we want to talk about Holland and what happened to the Messi and the way FIFA kind of pushed, helped them through every time uh, Every time Argentina went into the box, they got a penalty and Messi steps up to take it. I mean, I, I look, when you have Argentina getting through to the final, being in three penalty shootouts, no team has ever, ever done that. The probability Inspiracy. of getting to a cup final with three penalty shootouts to get to final is pretty ridiculous. Plus, they lost their game to Saudi Arabia. So they lose their game, they get through three penalty shootouts, and they beat France in the final. It's it's a huge story, and um, oh. well I don't know. we'll
0: we'll have to unearth that. I did not enjoy the Argentina run like many people. Clearly, you didn't either. It was it no. wasn't it wasn't just so. Anyhow, it is what it is. Mm. You're in it, it. Well done, my friend. We'll 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 uh, pick up another conversation another time. Thanks for joining me Perfect. here. This is check complete, which is going to be a sponsored element soon. Biggie Van Bilderbeek.
2: Thank you very much, Max. And thanks Thank
0: for you. everyone tuning into the Soccer OG. Soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend. We're we'll back again next week. So much to look forward to. Until I see you, Placido Domingo. Adios.